Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Privilege of giving us to be your sons. We do not take it for granted. We thank you that we're the redeemed of the Lord. We thank you that you've given us absolute victory in every area of our lives. Blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's have our seats, get our notes ready. Let's be ready for the word. All right. Um, while it's, um, you know, I felt this very strong in my heart. So. To let you all know, um, just to let you guys know, myself and um, Sister Mary, we absolutely, absolutely love you guys. Amen. Amen. Just, just to let you know. And we thank God for the privilege to be your pastors. And for every one of you that's a member of the local church that the Lord has brought you are assured of our love, of our prayers, and diligence in carrying out our assignments. So I just thought to let you guys know that we absolutely love you from our hearts. Amen. That's public service announcement. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you. Because I am anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We, we're studying Second Corinthians chapter 8. And we are looking at the subject of giving. It has been, over the years, giving has been a very tough subject... And um, we are looking at God's mind concerning this, looking at Paul's writing. So, where did we stop last week, last Wednesday? Those of you who, who have consistent notes. <laughs> where did we stop? Which verse did we stop last, last Wednesday? Verse 1? No, no, not the last book of the Bible we read. In Second Corinthians chapter 8, we're doing verse by verse study. No. <laughs> we didn't. We read up to 6. But where did we stop studying? Verse what? V verse 4? No, we stopped studying at verse 2. Are we, are we there? We read up to verse 6. But we actually, we're, we're studying it verse by verse. We're looking at words by words. So we actually stopped in verse 2. Remember, we were dealing with the word telepsis, affliction. Right? And then we're looking at the word overflowing liberality. And then that took us to the story of the widow. You remember that? And I explained to you what exactly is the widow's might. What did I say is the widow's might? Sorry? There are two things that defines the widow's might. You can't fail this exam. All you have. And what? Uh. 
My first degree is in education. So I know it's when the students don't grab the call. Everybody just stays at the same time. You can't confuse me. Let's go over it again. Take, say it slowly. Be very slow. What's, what's the thing about the widow's might? All you have, eh? All you have to live on. It's simple. That's what the widow's might is. The widow's might is not all you have. The widow's might is all you have. And what? All you have to live on. That's the widow's might. Because the Bible says the widow gave all she had and all she had to live. You see, that's why I said, have a note and go over it. Go over it. You know, you might be surprised two years from now, if I start teaching 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again, you'll be like, wow, I never saw that. Revelation. No, it's not revelation. It's forgetfulness. Okay? So you have to go over these things again until... You know, um, have it like your study. Go over it again. So when you talk about the widow's might, don't forget. It's all you have and all you have to do what? To live on. That's what the Bible says about that. So, you, and, and why we need to be careful with this is that we're not reading our mind into scriptures. We're allowing scriptures tell us what that is. If, listen to this. If there is any concept in scripture, allow the Bible to define it. You follow that? You allow the Bible to do what? To define it. Okay. So, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. We dealt with all of that. That in a great ordeal of affliction, telepsis, treasure, hmm? Their abundance of joy. You know, anytime I read this, I'm like, God, how can people be under a great ordeal of affliction and they have abundance of joy? That means their joy did not come from the outside. Do you agree with that? Do you think if you have a great ordeal of affliction, you would have abundance of joy. Do you think so? I don't think so. If you have a great ordeal of affliction, what are you going to have in abundance? What do you think you would have in abundance? Sorrow. You're right. You will make heaven. You are right. So that's why Paul started by saying that there was a grace. It, it was obvious that it's only grace that can make a man who is in deep affliction to have joy. It's only grace. It's only grace. And that's what separates the believer from everyone else. You know, I was think, thinking about this. The, the house that was built on the rock and the house that was built on the sand. And afflictions, the Bible says, came on both houses. The rain came. The storm came. One stood. You know, we've always been taught about Christianity that doesn't face trials. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, comrades and friends, that's not true. You will face the same problem that the man who is not born again will face. You would face the same storm. But the difference is that you are, you are what? Founded on the rock. You know, I was listening to Mark Higgins, uh yesterday 
early hours in the morning, I was writing and his leadership conference came up. So I tuned in and I was listening. And here was a man sharing a testimony of how his daughter was on drugs. Solid drugs, not, not malaria. Drugs. And the girl was messed up. Messed up. And she, he managed to convince the girl to come to church. And McCarkins finished preaching and the Holy Ghost led him towards the girl, laid hands on the girl, prophesied over the girl. And he wrote out all the prophetic words concerning the girl. And she held on from 2004 till 2021. The girl finally accepted Jesus last year. Gave her life to Christ, now serving the Lord, now dedicated. And while she was sharing the test, where he was sharing the testimony, he pulls out the prophecy and says, This was the prophecy you spoke over my girl in 2004, and I held on to that word that our word is going to come to pass. That's a believer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not this deadline on. Oh, miracle worker, miracle worker. If it's not October 1st, forget it. You are not serious. A believer. Holds on to the promise until there's manifestation. How long will you believe? Until there is what? Manifestation. This thing we're teaching believers about not having tribulations in this life is making us to build believers who bail out at every little opportunity. Glory to God. Because the Macedonians, the Bible says, had deep affliction, then they had abundance of joy. And their deep poverty, deep poverty, overflowed in their wealth of liberality. How can a poor man be liberal? It has to be the grace of God. It has to be the grace of God. Now, that word, uh, liberality, is haplotes. Haplotes. It means to give with a single mind. H-A-P-L-O-T-E-S. That's the Greek word. It means to give with a single mind. With purity of mind. This is what it means. You are not giving with any hidden motivation. So, the liberality they had, they were not just giving so God would bless them. That was not the hidden motivation. They were not giving so those people would say, well, these Christians care about the poor. They were not giving for Instagram likes. They were not giving so that the world out there would be happy with them. They were giving with singularity of mind, with, with um, how would I put it now? They were giving with singularity of mind. Praise God. Are you still here? The Greek word, hapletis, found eight times in the New Testament. It means sincerity, generosity, okay? Giving with simplicity. It's almost like the idea of purity. You're giving. Uh, without you're, you're not giving to try to control someone. You know, someone can be good to you until they control your life. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard this statement? Have you ever heard this statement? People say, do good. You don't know who will be big tomorrow and help you back. Have you heard that? You know, that's a wrong motive for doing good. That's not doing good. You are investing. 
I don't look good to you because I think tomorrow you're going to be good or big and help me. No, no. That again, is that purity of motive? That's not purity of motive. That's not purity of motive. So what that means is that if I look at all of you and I look at, yeah, this guy is likely going to be a big guy. What am I going to do? And this guy, the way he's looking, Mm, nothing. What am I going to do if I have the way to help? Who am I going to help? Do you know that I'm not helping him because I love him? Why am I helping him? Why am I helping him? Because tomorrow he can help me. Will that look like the liberty that the Macedonians have? Absolutely not. That's not helping, that's investing. We give with no strings attached. Everybody say that. I give and no strings attached. That's important. That's important. Now, look at this. It means not self-seeking. This word means not self-seeking. Simplicity. We're looking at that word. Their liberality. Now, mental honesty. They're not giving and thinking the gifts. They're not using the gift to set trap. (laughs) It's just pure love, pure ministry. I just want to be of a blessing to you. Praise God. You know, the early days when I was learning giving, sowing and reaping, I used to give with a lot of motives. I'm sowing seed at this, I'm sowing. But right now, the Lord has increased my knowledge where that is concerned. And I just bless people. As I'm led of the Lord, I bless. I have my plan given, but then I just bless. And and it's fine. I've learned to bless with love. And by faith, expect God to give me the greatest harvest He can from it. Because I also feel that sometimes when you're when you are trying to tell God how to give you the harvest, you are shortchanging what you can get from God. How many of you know God really knows what is good for you? Just five people? I'll say that again. How many of you really know God knows what is good for you? How many of you know God knows how to get it to you? How many of you know God knows how to get it to you at the right time? That should liberate you. That should liberate you. So, let's go to verse 3. We're studying 3 and 4 today. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. They gave of their own accord. Look at that sentence very well. Look at it. I testify, Paul saying. Three things are in that statement. What are the three things? Let's pick them out. What, what do you think the three things will be? Let's look at it. Let's pick them out. Number one. No, let's leave I testify now. After I testify. What? According to their ability. Beyond their ability. Of their own accord. You guys should be the pastors of this church. Three things stand out there. Write them out. Write them out. Number one, according to their ability. That's one. Number two, beyond their ability. Number three, 
they gave of their own accord. Now, those three things are very important. Okay? Those three things are very important. Number one, giving according to your ability. Now, let's assume in us Someone earns 20,000 and another person earns 10,000 and another person earns 5,000. They will have to give according to what they have, right? That's according to their ability. So let's say the man with 20,000 decides to give 15,000. What has he given according to his what? Ability. Now that means you give according to how you are able. Now, Unfortunately, many Christians do not even give according to their ability. That's why, let me, let me explain this to you, right? That's why, to be, to be, to be honest, in the church, and, and I, I'm saying this now because I know we've got a camp meeting, but if, if I have my way, the way really you should operate um, um, a, a local system, regardless of what the project is, is no two people ought to give the same amount. Let me give you an example. Okay? We have in camp meeting, or we have something to buy in church. Let's say we want to buy this podium. And this podium costs 100,000. My brother here earns 100,000. The other one earns 50,000. This one earns 20. This one earns 30. And I come and say, oh well, I want everybody to give 5,000 towards the project. Do you realize that that 5,000 will make more meaning to the man right here? And I have not asked them to give according to their ability. Are you following this? Yes, Giving according to their ability will mean for that same project, this guy is giving a 30,000. This guy is giving a 15,000. This guy is giving a 10,000. Why? Because that's the ability. That's what the, 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 the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let us lay aside as we have been prospered. So you give based on the ability that God has given to you. Do you remember the story of the talents? Do you realize that God gave them severally according to their own ability? And what God demanded from them was what? Was according to what he gave to them. That's why we cannot tell people whatever they want to give, let them mention it, let them bring it forward. No, 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 probably. Because you can give and it doesn't mean anything to you. We read that in Mark. The rich people, the Bible says, they gave out of their abundance. And the poor widow gave out of her sustenance. Their giving, even though, listen to this, in quantity, hers was smaller, has carried more weight. Because if we're paying 5,000 for this, if this guy takes 5,000 out of 100,000, he's got 95,000. If that man takes 5,000 out of 30,000, he's got uh, 25,000 left. Is somebody here? Alright. Now, number two, they gave beyond 
their ability. This is another level. These guys didn't not just give according to their ability. They exceeded their ability. They gave beyond their ability. That means they are now beginning to step into the realm of faith. Now, let me, explain, let me show you something. Um, and the third thing there is what? They gave of their own accord. Let's read it from the New Living Translation. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford. So, there is a giving that's based only on what you can afford. Which is okay. And number two, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. So, listen carefully to this, please. Don't be distracted. Listen carefully to this. It means that this giving beyond their ability came from their own free will. Do you follow that? Let me tell you. No New Testament giving is accepted by God if it's not coming out of your own free will. Nobody should force you to give beyond your ability. Because if it's not of your own free will, it's not going to be out of love. It's going to be out of compulsion. You follow this? Bible in basic English. For I give them a witness... That as they were able, and even more than they were able, they gave from the impulse of their hearts. That means it came out of their insight. Good news and translation. I can assure you that they gave as much as they could, and even more than they could, of their own free will. Now, when when giving was taught in the New Testament, it was always according to people's ability. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 11. Let me show you a story there. Acts chapter 11. And verse 28. This was the same donation. They were trying to take this donation. Verse 28. Acts 11, 28. Acts chapter 11, verse 28. One of them, that's a prophet, verse 27. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. So this prophet came and said, Hey, there's going to be famine all over the world. Said that by the Spirit of God. This tells us, (laughs) glory to God, that the Spirit of God can tell us things that are to come for our guidance. Okay? To guide us, to help us. There was a time in Brother Higgins' ministry, the Lord told him, the, 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 uh, the U.S. economy is going to have some effects, cut down on this, cut down on that, so you can go through the period. So the Lord can speak to us about things that are coming on the earth, not so we can be in fear, but so we can be guided. Now go on, it says, And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, Are you following this? Each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. 
So go to verse, go, go back to verse 29. So the prophet Agabus came and said, You know what, guys, there's going to be famine all over the world. And oh, there were some poor saints in Jerusalem. So the, in proportion, the disciples, according to their ability, you can use the, the, if you use another translation, for instance, the King James Version or the New King James Version, it says, according to their ability, the disciples determined to send a portion to the saints in Jerusalem. According to their ability. In proportion that any of the disciples had means, whatever they had, according to their ability, they contributed to the poor. According to their ability. You must learn to give according to your ability. You know, the easy way I started doing that, uh, I began to give a percentage of my income. And after a while, the Lord prospered me. I increased that percentage. And after a while, the Lord prospered me. You know, sometimes, I, you know, I, I mean, there was a particular year the Lord was speaking to me about increasing my giving. Uh, my faith was not at that level. So I had to take that year to build my faith where trust is concerned. And then the next year, I increased it. My, my ultimate goal in life is to give more than I spend. That's where my faith is. That's where I'm putting my faith. So sometimes, if I want to increase the percentage of my giving, I feed my faith. I go back, take, take my tapes, get, get my books, get my notes out. I go back, I go back trusting God. And once I sense faith arise in my heart, I do that. But I can tell you from experience, you can never outgive God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And that's what you should do. As a family, what are we giving to God? As an individual, what's my giving to God? And, and, and this is not about pressure. I'm one person you can never pressure an offering from. I'm a liberal giver, but once you go into manipulation and pressure, you've lost me. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. I remember one time I went to preach at a campus fellowship, two campus fellowships in the same school. I preached the first service in this campus fellowship, and I was going to the second one to preach. I finished preaching. I think they gave me like 10,000 naira for honorarium, so I put it at the back of my pocket, and I went to the next campus fellowship. And before I went up, the man told me, ah, we need speakers. Ah, we need speakers. We need to buy speakers. When you finish, raise an offering. And I have a policy. I don't raise an offering when I finish teaching. In fact, if you invite me to teach in your church, that's the first thing I'll tell you. I don't raise an offering. I don't expect... And when I invite preachers to come and preach here, I don't expect them to raise an offering. When I invite any speaker to speak here, I tell them, first of all, whatever you have to teach my people, teach them. Don't, don't, don't try to raise an offering. Somebody says, what about if the Lord is leading them in that direction? The Lord will not lead someone on this pulpit in that direction if the Lord is not giving me a witness. I'm the shepherd of the congregation. So you can't say, you know, man of God, it's not usually like this. As I'm preaching, God is talking to me. I will take the mic. Because before we'll invite anybody to come here, whatever we are going to give them as an honorarium, we had already taken it from the tithes and the offerings that the people have given. If you need to do that, let me know. But most, I, I have seen friends in ministry. I don't, I don't also have people who do that. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong, but yeah, let's just leave that. And then the person came and said, and I was preaching, I was preaching. He sent me like three, three, three uh, papers. And you know, for me, you guys know, I'm, I can be easily distracted when I'm teaching. I'm teaching and then the paper comes. And I'm like, ah, sir, don't forget the speaker. <laughs> so I just, when I finished, I said, praise God. Well, 
I usually don't know how to raise offerings after ministering. Your pastor said, you guys need speakers. Here is my 10,000. Give towards the speaker. Took my Bible. Went sat down. So I gave towards it. Was that willing? No, it wasn't. I did that as an example to give, but I wouldn't really give that way. But I know that if I don't raise the money, and probably I don't give, <laughs> it will not be well. But that's how people shouldn't give. You know, I've, I've known better now. I was starting that in those times. But I've known better now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't give so that somebody will take pressure out of your life. I'm tired. Oh yeah, take. You have lost that seed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because people can put pressure on you until you're not giving willingly. Let me tell you something. It's not only the shelfful giver that gives to God that God loves. It is the shelfful giver who gives. What I mean is that when you are giving to people, it should be done cheerfully. It's not just when you're giving offerings. God wants an attitude of a believer who gives cheerfully. And that's why when you, you start understanding some of these things, you need to know the people around you, know how your finances work. It's important. I know sometimes in our society it can be complex. But I, I dare to say most of our givings are not willingly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Say, bro, Alpha. Sir, remember that money. I celebrate you. <laughs> and then, you're not giving willingly. You're giving because they have pounded your conscience. God has blessed you for us. You are the light of the family. You are the breadwinner. You know? And after a while, people just pressure you until you say, give, take, take. And you, look, you, you know why I know that that's not willing? After you have given that seed, two weeks down the line, you are still complaining. They will not allow somebody to rest. Every time, send something. Every time, send something. The seed has gone. But in your heart, you have not left it. Instead of it producing a joy of ministry, it produces anger. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. The disciples determined what they were going to give according to the proportion they had. I want you to see this. I want you to see this determination. So it means I can determine to give. I determine to bless this man. I determine to give. We're looking at giving from the concept of the scriptures. I'm reading the Bible. I determine to give. Now, look at this. The word they gave according to their ability or of their own accord, in the Greek it means they chose by themselves to do the giving. I choose to give. I choose to give. I choose to give. So, it's a choice that comes from the impulse of your heart as the Holy Ghost is leading you. And that's why when Paul was also speaking to them in 1 Corinthians, he told them on the first 
day of each week, let every man lay aside and save as the Lord had prospered him. So that when I come, there will be no collection. Because Paul didn't want them to be under the pressure of giving when he comes. Thank you, Lord. You know, we should give our offerings planned. Plan your offerings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You receive 50000 a month. Plan your tithe. Plan your offering. At the end of the month, when your salary comes, give your offerings. Let's remove this mindset of just tipping God. Hmm? You know how you go to a restaurant to eat? You've eaten well. And then the, 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 the person serves you well and you tip them. That's not how we should give our offerings. As we prepare, I'll talk about that. Probably won't talk about offerings this, this season. But the, if you look at David, the, David talked about how he prepared to give to God. You know, I wanted to minister to some of my mentors uh, towards the end of last year. And I, I, I had an amount I wanted to minister to them. And for me to be able to get it to that amount, I had to save every month, build that money up until December so that I can give because that, that's what I want to bless them with. I don't want to give them, you know, just, I, I didn't just want to throw something at them. I wanted to bless them. That's how to give. You prepare to give. Just as you prepare for anything else in your life, your giving life should be that way. You prepare to minister. You prepare to give. That should be the normal for every believer. And then, once in a while, the Holy Ghost will prompt you to go beyond and above. Are you still here? All right. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. Read that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And verse 1 to 2. Now concerning the collection of for the saints. For the saints. So this giving actually was for the saints. As I have directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. Verse 2. On the first day of every week... Each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. Do you see that word again? As he may prosper. So you are giving according to your ability. You are giving according to your ability. Let me, let me say this loud and clear. You do not have a right to force God's people to give beyond their ability. Children of God, you cannot find it in scriptures. From the Old to the New Testament, God's people have always been allowed to give according to their ability. Praise God. Can I tell you something? Don't have a shortage mindset as a minister of the gospel. God can fund his job. God has people, man I tell you, God has people who will give and get the work done. You know, when we look to, when we look to people as our source, instead of seeing people we should bless, we are seeing money. Hmm?
We shouldn't do that. <laughs> Never don't do that to God's people. I'll show you from the Old Testament. Even when God was asking an offering to build the tabernacle, God said, if they are of a willing heart, let them bring even though he was the one who gave them the gold and the silver. You know the beautiful thing about God? God will prosper you. And God will say, you know what? Out of what I prospered you, give according to our sins in your heart. You know God can force us to give everything we have. All God needs to do is just to release an angel on our head. And everywhere you go, you just be here, empty your account. Empty your account. Empty your account. Empty your account. You turn this way here, empty your account. So you know you won't keep that money. God can do that. Do you think God can do that? God can make a man give everything. But do you see God doing that? No. Look at this. Go to Exodus 35. Let me show you from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 35. Even in the Old Testament, here God wanted people to give to build the tabernacle. Verse 35, sorry, Exodus 35 and verse 1. Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Okay? For six days, work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwelling or on the Sabbath day. Look at verse 4. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying. Look at the commandment of the Lord. Verse 5. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Now, look at the first, the verse before this, verse 4. It says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Then he goes on to say, take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of what? Can you see that? It says, this is the commandment of the Lord. Take a contribution from among you. Whoever is of a willing heart. How can God be talking to the children of Israel that they should give an offering and he says whoever is of a willing heart. This was even under the law. Just like Paul says, I'm commanding the churches to give, but then whoever is of a willing heart. My greatest, I'm going to say this, and I say this because I said I love you before. My greatest challenge in pastoring church today is that people have been raised to be forced to do everything. So people don't know how to serve God from a willing heart. I'll give you an example. I can set up a service team and I say, hey, I want our ushers to be here by 5 o'clock and get the place ready and let's serve God if you want to join any unit. And then usher shows up late. And then they go to a church where the pastor says, if you come to church by 5 o'clock, there are angels positioned by God with a basket in their hands. If you come early, you, the angels will bless you. And if you don't come early, if you don't serve God, even that job that God gave to you, He can take it away from you. Who are you? 
If they are in those churches, 4.30, they are standing at the door. Because people don't know how to live under grace. You know, I can teach with my life. Teach, I'm going to teach you on Sunday. Do not muzzle the ox. I can teach with my life here. Do Greek. Do Hebrew. Do example. Bring Harry here. Raise your hand. Harry, you are Jesus. Uh, Gideon, you are this one. Do all the examples. And when I finish, ah, my pastor can teach. And then you go to a church. We say, how can a man of God teach and he will not drink water? <laughs> or tell you some, some set of mysteries. And start telling you, last year, somebody in Abuja sold 10,000 into my life. He bought a car. By the time I finish that, as I'm walking down, you see people lining up. Ah, God bless you, sir. Ah, God bless you. Please, please just manage it. 50,000. Ah, it's nothing. Just manage it. Because people are used to lies. That's the truth. You know, I was preaching in the market when I started ministry. I used to go to the market to preach. And um, they call it Oakbridge Job Market in Worry, Wood Market. I used to go there and preach because one of our members had a wood shop. So I used to preach. So they splitted me and one pastor. So I'll go, I'll teach the people diligence, how God wants to prosper them. One day the pastor called me. He said, I don't know if my wife can remember this, but I had to stop. The man called me. He said, the way you are preaching, so we will not get anything from these people. I, I, so I was, you know, I was just starting out there. So I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, ah, you will come and say, they should work out, God will bless them. Is that, you, you are a small boy now. Are you married? He said, hey, that's the thing. <laughs> you don't have responsibility. So I said, what do we do? He said, no, say these people have money. Say these people have money. We have to teach them that, that there is a pot at the center of the market. We need to ask ourselves, okay, we can't do it. Ah, he, said, he said, so let them split our days. Then, did that guy make money? Whoa, he made. Whoa, he made. They bought pure water. They went to dig pot. They blessed him. Actually, what made me to stop was the frustration. Then I didn't know so much. Here was I just standing out in ministry. I will go, I will teach the truth. Sometimes my member will help me with transport to go back. This guy will go, everything he was teaching was a lie. And when he's leaving, excuse me, ah, sir, ah, sir, please, oh, he was in the it is well with you, it is well with you, you will say, ah, ah. The guy was going home every week loaded. And at that time, I think I just got married. You know, that's why sometimes, eh, David said, let the Lord of the wicked not rest upon the, light, the lot of the righteous so that the righteous will not put his hands in iniquity. There are certain things that would happen. You now tell yourself that this truth I'm standing for, is it worth it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? A false prophet can enter the town in one month has bought a brand new car. Everywhere is full. And then your pastor is checking it is where. God will do it. God. One day the guy will say, it's not well. If this thing is going to be well on this earth, we have to arrange it. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it also happens to you. When you start giving righteously, you start giving cheerfully, sometimes you keep asking yourself, is my giving productive? Yes, it is. Because you know what? The scripture says, God is not unfaithful to forget our labor of love. Many years down the line, you look at the radar of ministry. I can't find that man anymore. But I'm still here. Still here way better. 
Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So you would know that these things, we must, we must think long term as we handle the truths of scriptures. Never go to God's sheep with the mind to fleece them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you don't respond to fleecing. That's important. Okay, let's go on. So he says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. This is funny. He says it's the Lord's contribution, but let it come from a willing heart. That's what I want you to pick. Our giving must be from a willing heart. You know, somebody says, oh pastor, if you teach tithes the way you, you taught it now, people will not want to give their tithe. Keep it. Because even if you are tithing, it should be from what? Come on. It should be from what? A willing heart. That's important. That's important. How many of you know it's the heart that God is looking at? Go to verse... This is Old Testament. Go to verse... Then Moses talked about all of that. Now go to verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. This was where I learned how to take proper offering. If you want to take offering from God's people, tell them what the need is, allow them to go home, let them pray, let them think over it, and then decide what they want to give. It must not be urgent. Yeah? Now, now, the anointing is hot. The angel just arrived. The angel just arrived. He will soon leave. Do it now. Do it. Oh, God, now. Oh, God. Relax. This, listen, let me tell you this thing we're talking about. All these things we're talking about, is it not money? God can get it to us. Praise God. Oh, if I tell you, if I tell you miracles of supernatural provisions in my life, you'll be amazed. When we started church, uh, of course, we just started church, where how many then? A man by the name of Tim Johnson, I can never forget that testimony. Can never forget that testimony. I used to trek from the RA gate down to the NLNG roundabout and then down the other way when church just started. Then I got a guy on bike who used to take me around to visit and to preach to people. The guy chatted me up on Facebook and said, the Lord said, I should minister to you every month. He opened an account in Australia, sent me the ATM card, and every month he was giving me 20,000, 25,000. That happened for a period of six months. I remember one day, if you ask me his face till tomorrow, I don't know him. Did I keep the relationship after he ministered for a while? I mean, things just because for some of us, when the Lord asked the widow to feed us, we will not leave the widow's house anymore. We'll just build a tent there. They'll remind him. Is it not the Lord that told you to be, be careful? <laughs> Don't do that. Sometimes you must learn when the season is over. But this is the most powerful testimony. I, 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 I was then the Blackberry phone just came out and then I had one. And I was walking down from, from the energy gate. I was going to church that day to clean up church before Bible study. I don't know how I kept it. My phone just got missing, fell out, and I couldn't find it anymore. I was just thinking, oh God, what am I going to do? I didn't even have money to buy a phone. That day, he wrote me and said, oh, would you like an iPhone? I want to buy an iPhone for my wife, the one I was using before. Yeah, I can send it to you. I said, would I like? I would love. And then he he puts that thing in 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 a fast track. It got to me in three days. How did God get that to happen? Somebody says, because you're a pastor. I know many pastors who don't work in that. It's not because I'm a pastor. 
It's because I believe this word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why am I saying all of this? God can get anything to you. And he will send it through people who have a willing heart. So God told them. They went back home. Verse 21. Look at this. Everyone whose heart stirred him. So not everyone gave. Do we agree on that? Because he says the people who gave is everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the large contribution for the work of the tent of the meeting. Everyone who could make a contribution, verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution. And every man who had in his possession acacia wood for any work of the service. So some people brought silver, some people brought wood according to their ability. So if it was wood they had, they brought wood. If it was silver they had, come on, what did they bring? They brought silver. If it was bronze they had, they brought bones. They did not say, everybody must bring bronze. We don't serve a wood God here. Have you heard that? They don't put 15 naira in the offering box. 1,000. We're not serving a poor God here. What about if that man's ability is 15 naira? You know, and, and unconsciously, that's how we have also pushed people in church who don't have means to feel so bad about themselves that people will literally tell you, I don't have money. Until I have money, I'm not going to church. But can you, do you remember that everybody were reading about that they were contributing for in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, they called them the poor saints in Jerusalem. They were in the headquarters and they were poor. Are you following this? Verse 24. Everyone, okay, we've read 24. 29. The Israelites and all the men and all the women whose hearts moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. The offering must come from a free will. It must come from a free will. This is not a message to get you stingy. This is a message to position your giving rightly. So it's not like when an offering is raised, say, hey, my heart is not stead. I'm not stead. I'm not moved. You know why I like God? Whether your heart is stead or not, you see the project get done. The question is, are you going to be part of it or not? Praise God. Funny story. This story is in my heart to tell you, so I'll tell you. I went to preach in Antwerp. Antwerp. Brussels is the Brussels is the capital of Belgium. There is a city called Antwerp. So from Brussels, I went to Antwerp to preach. True story. And when I got to the church, I was pastored by a Nigerian. When I got to the church, the man told me, he said, if you really want us to make move here, we have to prophesy to these people. So I said, yeah, who prophesied the Lord leads us. He said, no. That, that is what people want. So, while we're sitting, he, he, would, he would be telling me about some people, you know, that brother who just came in, he walks here, he does this. I didn't get at first why he was telling me. So, you know, before church service starts, you're with the pastor, he says, oh, you know this guy, he walks here. So, I didn't really understand it. You know, starting out in ministry then too. And why, what he was actually trying to do was giving me insight on people's lives before I went out on the pulpit. So, uh, 
So I, so before we were to go, say, hey, you, at least you can remember some of the people we talked about. After, for, I'm like, <laughs> ah. So I went up. <laughs> Man, I can't forget that trip. I want native. I want to represent Nigeria abroad. And it was winter. Man, finished preaching, I was sweating. When I was preaching, it was okay. When I sat down, went cold. Ah. So, the man said, should we go for lunch? <laughs> no, like, no lunch. I just want to stay alive. Went to where I was staying, put on the heater and everything. But this is the story. When we finished, the man says, Sir, the way you ministered, the people did not give much. So, I don't have anything to give to you. And the, my, I left my money in Brussels because I was to go back and then from there, fly back. How will I get on a train from Antwerp back to Brussels? I just stood there. And I said, God, you have to help me. This is the first and the last that I'll go anywhere to preach and not carry my transport to and fro. So he said, let's go to one Nigerian. So one Nigerian lady said, let's come to our house to eat. So I went, we went, we finished eating. But I observed something. When we finished eating, as we were going, the lady was, was always trying to get behind me. You know, she was... She was you know, we'll be walking. She want the pastor. You just know when somebody wants to be at your back and the pastor. So, I wasn't sure what, was, uh, what it was about. So, I just went on. And as we got on the step going down, she just held my hands and just gave me an envelope. I said, put it in your pocket. Put it in your pocket. So, I put it in my pocket. <laughs> so, uh, so I, we, got, we got down and then everything. So, I went to the room. The next day I was to leave. I opened up. There was money there. And later the lady told me, that the pastor warned her that you know what I know you are a giver don't give anything <laughs> the man did not preach the way he should preach but what am I, why am I giving you the stories the Lord knows how to get things to you that's, that's it if, if, if that's an extra lesson for you tonight let the whole world gang up against you he knows how to get things to you even if people say, don't give to this person, come on. The Lord knows, listen, he can spare the most wicked man in this world to get something to you. If you understand this, you will live free. And you know what? You need to be like Abraham and raise your hands to God and say, what God cannot get to me, let it be that way. Because everything I have, I want to be able to say, I've coveted no man's gold. Man, interesting stories. Interesting stories. How the Lord has met our needs. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel the Holy Ghost wanted me to just say this before we go ahead. I remember one time, I think I've said this story before, we needed water. We, you know, we went to preach in an Anglican church down in Finima. We needed drinking water. We didn't actually have water there. I don't know what happened, but then we didn't have water. We are like, oh, we should have bought water. We didn't get water. And we're going to close late. And then we come out of the meeting. Myself and my family were in the meeting. The Anglican church in Finima there they invited us for something. A woman comes and says, Pastor, I don't know. You guys should just manage it. But I just fed lead like buying you water and gives us water. If that woman had bought... Uh, a crate of malt for us that day, it would not have been valuable. What we needed is water. Listen, God can get things to you. Are you hearing this? Alright. <laughs> okay. Now, let's, let's look at this. So we saw that even in the Old Testament, they gave willingly. They gave according to their ability. Alright. Now, Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter eight and do the last verse. Uh, we'll do one line there, and then we'll close. 
Verse 3. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. So, what we've been establishing is giving according to your own will. Giving according to your free will. Praise God. Now, verse 4. Begging us, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Oh my God. Can you see these people? They were begging Paul to receive from them. The word participation there is the word fellowship. Is the word kononia. They saw it like, listen, the saints in Jerusalem who don't have anything, they are brothers. They are sisters. Please, look at what you were saying. Give us the favor of ministering to them. What a mindset. Come on, how many of you think that would be great in the church? If I'm giving, if I'm giving to my brother, I see it like, listen, it's a favor that I can give to him. Help me participate. Can you imagine poor Macedonian Christians begging Paul for an opportunity to give? Have you ever begged for an opportunity to participate in something? Imagine they just come and say, Well, the only person who typifies this for me is David. God told him, You cannot build me a tabernacle. There's blood in your hands. Your son will build. David said, Listen, whether I can build you or not, that's fine. And David prepared all the materials required for the tabernacle. Oh, what a heart. What a heart. Imagine you want to give to God. And God says, oh, I, I don't want to receive any offering. You know, or maybe some Wednesdays. I say, well, don't give anything this Wednesday. Just take your offering there. And you're like, no, what? You know, Pastor, whether you say we should give or not, I want to give. They begged for an opportunity to give. Today is not people begging for an opportunity to give. Is pastors begging people to give. That's a reverse. We should have believers who say, you know what, pastor, I want to be part of this. And it's like, we're looking at like, you don't have enough. And you know what, pastor, please, I have to give. Please, I have to give. Paul Yongucho talked about in his book, Fourth Dimension, when they were trying to build the church. I was trying to raise offering from the church for the church to be built. And a lot of people were not giving. And one day, poor old woman came and said, you know what, pastor, I don't have anything to give. But I have this rice. And I want to give it. The church can sell it. At least let it be the beginning of the building fund. And then people came and said, I'll give a thousand. Let that woman keep her rice. I'll give this. And people gave a lot. If the rice was not given, many people would not have given Begging. It says they begged us for an opportunity. They urged us. They begged us for the favor of participation in support of the saints. They were begging for an opportunity to give. They were begging for an opportunity to give. Verse 5. Let's just look at verse 5 quickly. This and this not as we had expected. Nobody expects a poor man to beg for an opportunity to give. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. I'm going to start from here. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. We have attempted to get money from people who have not given themselves to the Lord. When a man gives himself to the Lord, giving will be natural. Now, two things here. Look at this scripture first. They gave themselves to the Lord. And then they give themselves to us by the will of God. Let me, look, let me tell you here. You will have to learn to trust people 
with your resources. Hmm? The disciples, the scripture says, those that had land sold and brought it to the apostles' feet. We can't be believers in a local church and we want to control the giving and control everything. They gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave themselves to Paul. So when Paul says, hey, we need to raise this offering because they have given themselves to Paul, it was easy to minister and respond. But the key, listen, the key tonight is a free will offering. But most importantly, you have to give yourself to the Lord. When you give yourself to the Lord, the Lord will begin to speak to you about giving. I remember one time, I've been saving up some some US dollars, just saving it up. And I was praying, just praying, praying. And then the Lord spoke to my heart to give half of what I've been saving to a particular ministry. And I was thinking, God. And I planted it. Two months later, the Lord opened the door for us to get on television. Now, this is where sometimes people make the mistake. People now want to get on television and then they go and split whatever they have and sow because they think that when you give that way, it will open the door to the TV ministry. The challenge is this. The offerings that most people give that open certain strategic things for them was instructed by the Lord. You cannot copy that instruction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do, do you follow what I'm saying? The Lord can place a demand on you and say, you know what, guy? I need you to close your account. And so, and you saw that and it opened something up in your life. Now, it's not a formula. That's why you have to give yourself to the Lord. So whatever the Lord demands from you, the Lord can speak to you about it. Do you follow what I'm saying? These things are not formula. Beyond the principles of faith, we are serving a living God. He is living. He is a, is a talking God. He will instruct you on what to do. He will instruct you on seeds to sow. He will instruct you. He says, as many as the Lord spared their heart. It was because, first of all, these people gave themselves to the Lord and the Lord stared their hearts. What we should pray is God to stir the hearts of people. And I tell you, God can do a bigger stirring than you. Oh, God can do a bigger stirring than you. If God stirs the heart of a man to give to you, <laughs> ah, I tell you, he will get it done. He will get it done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says they gave themselves to the Lord first. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Every interaction we're reading here is under the will of God and under the grace of God. This is New Testament giving. I believe that we are going to have a local church that is extremely generous. People are giving as they are led by the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. People are giving as they are stirred by the Lord. You know what I like to see in our church? I like to see in our church when you are in your house. The Lord speaks to you about a brother whose rent is about to expire. Speaks to you about a, a, a guy who needs his fees paid. And you come to church and meet them and say, you know what? The Lord told me you've got this need. And you minister to them. That's the kind of church I'd like us to have. I don't want us to have a church where we're pulling for money all the time. Of course we won't. I want to have a church where people are generous. 
ministering to the needs of one another, ministering to the local church, and from here we have enough money to minister to people in other nations and get the gospel out. Free will from your heart as the Lord has prospered you. I tell you, by the Spirit and in the Spirit, the Lord is going to prosper us. We are going to be a wealthy church in the name of Jesus. The yoke of lack and brokenness and poverty is going to be broken. And every one of you hearing the sound of my voice, the anointing of God is going to come upon you. Glory to God. And you will prosper in the name of Jesus. Stand on your feet. Let's worship the Lord. Mario, I get on the keyboard. Thank you, Lord. Bando Oh, Shelevande, lift your hands up. No brede secete. Just play something, sing something. Glory to God. Engre shostele bahate. I sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place right now, right now, right now, to break yokes of lack. To break. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.